projected that 98,000 children will experience the death of a parent, caregiver, or sibling by the by the time they turn 18 years old. Wow. So if you think about it, one out of every 14 kids in the classroom will experience this trauma. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome back to Elements of Style. Today, I'm grateful to have John Gay of the Children's Room. John is the executive director there at the Children's Room. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks for having me, Mark. What's the Children's Room? Sure. So the Children's Room is a nonprofit child bereavement center. I didn't know they existed when I uh, first found the Children's Room, um, but there are 400 child bereavement centers across the nation. Um, we are the largest nonprofit job bereavement center in Massachusetts. So we're serving children ages three and a half to 18 years old who've experienced the death of a parent, caregiver, or sibling. Um, and our whole mission is to make sure that no child, teen, or family has to grieve alone. Wow. That's an amazing mission. How'd you find the children's room? Yeah. So Mark, I've been working in the social impact nonprofit space for about 20 years now. Um, I came across the children's room from a board member um, who introduced me to the to the work of the organization, and it immediately resonated with me. Um, personally, um, I experienced the death of my father when I was a teenager. Um, he battled a long um, illness with cancer, um, and when he died, um, I remember just having to go straight back into school, um, and I never really took the time to pause and to to talk and to actually go through the grieving process and. Um, so when I learned more about the, the children's room, um, and I found out about places exist where they really are meant to give children and teens a space and a place to actually come together, um, and grieve, it really resonated with me personally. And then to find out that this nonprofit had been around for 25 years, supporting hundreds of children's and teens, um, across Massachusetts every year. I was inspired to, to join this team and to do this work. It's amazing. So what grade were you in when your father died? Dad, dad was diagnosed with cancer my sophomore year, and then he died um, going into my, my senior year in high school. Um, so I remember, remember it very vividly. I remember, uh, remember the school counselor, you know, asking me, you know, checking in with me at that beginning of the school year. Um, but then after that, I, I think things kind of went back to as 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 you might say normal. Um, norm, not normal for me, but normal as like a school day would go. And so, um, I remember trying out therapy myself, but I didn't find I think the best therapist for me. Um, and so, for for what really resonates with me about the children's room is it's about it's about peer support. It's about children being placed with other children, same age, similar age. Um, and being in a group that has had that similar experience of a death of a parent, caregiver, or sibling, and in that group, you are processing the death of that person. You are really having the opportunity to grieve and to remember that person. So your senior year of high school, did he die in the summer leading into the senior year? He did, yeah, just a couple of weeks before the start of school. And then it was normal for everybody else, but not you. Where did you lean into? What did you do 
Yeah, no, that's I, I, I leaned into, I think what brought me comfort, um, what brought me, I think that safety that, that I was seeking. I mean, this, this, this challenge and this, the trauma of a, a death of a parent or caregiver or sibling, it's actually bigger than I ever thought in, in the right. state of Massachusetts, um, this year, it's projected that 98,000 children will experience the death of a parent caregiver or sibling by the, by the time they turn 18 years old. Wow. So if you think about it, one out of every 14 kids in the classroom will experience this trauma. But, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't know anyone else in my high school that had had that experience. Um, and it's not talked about. It's not like I'm going to school talking about my dad's death. So, you know, for what I really sought out were uh, things that made me feel safe and comfortable. Ended up being sports. I love sports. Um, I had good coaches. And so, you know, I, I jumped straight into playing a lot of soccer that fall and enjoying my time with soccer with my teammates. That That's how I, I, I really tried to uh, begin the grieving process, I would say, in high school. You refer to it as trauma. It's traumatic, right? There's no other word for it were there friends of yours who understood who could who who could engage empathy or were they simply too young to understand yeah my recollection um was you know there's a lot of people that it's you know they they, they share their empathy or their sympathy for you um but things move pretty quickly on right quickly back into class or quickly back into gotta get ready for that soccer game and so i don't remember you know, people checking in on it with me personally as a teen for many weeks, months afterwards, right? I think um, that's my recollection. I know everybody has a different experience, right? And everybody processes grief differently. But for me, I remember getting back into what was considered normal very, very fast and not taking much of a pause or finding many resources to continue finding what might be helpful for me personally. Did you ever find that time to grieve? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I've joined the children's room about six months ago in June 2022. For me, there I was always kind of wondering what would it like be like to join, you know, a child bereavement center that sees death and grief on a daily basis. Kids are coming to the children's room for all types of death, um, homicide, suicide, cancer, heart attacks. You know, death death surrounds this this organization and in that you know, we are that safe and supportive environment for kids to, to grieve. Coming here has been amazing for me personally, because um, I get to find new ways to remember my dad who died um, that I didn't know existed. And that, that's what makes this place so special at the children's room. It's a place where we use art as a way to remember the person that died. We, we stop to talk about anniversaries of when someone died. We celebrate the birthdays. Um, and I can share personally just a quick you know, story that you know, for 25 plus years, we never stopped to pause and remember my dad's birthday in November. Um, but for this year, just being in this environment at the children's room where it's normal to be grieving, it's normal to experience death, um, it's normal to have the support of people around you. I sent a text message to my family for the first time, just highlighting my dad's birthday. And uh, you know, we, he was a big fan of, of craft beer and I've, I've followed in his footsteps in that. And so we all raised a glass of craft beer to kind of memory, you know, remember my dad that night on his birthday, he would have been 70 years old. And so coming to the children's room has been an incredible space for me to, to begin that process um, many, many years later, but that's what this place is all about. So are you able to help your siblings? more now we're talking about it a lot more right yeah. it's it's a it's an uncomfortable topic in in many different environments right so 
different cultures, different families, they all experience grief differently. I think that's what makes the Children's Room a really amazing organization in that, you know, our ultimate vision is that we're, we're normalizing grief. It's, you know, death and grief are part of society, right? You know, and one, one unique thing that, that I like to say around COVID, you're seeing more and more people talk about death and grief than ever before. And so that's the whole mission and vision of the organization is to not only provide the services and programs to children that have had this experience, but also just to build awareness about what people need, how to talk about it. And I do hope that, you know, on the personal level, that will continue to evolve for myself, for my family, for my friends, um, but for other families that have had similar experiences. I love the awareness component of it and the conversation, right? Because nobody wants to talk about death. Nobody. Like it makes everybody uncomfortable. So that person stands on this island. Paint a picture for me of that island for you had you known about the children's room. Like what would have happened on day one to, to day, year, whatever? Yeah, I, I think a big part of what I try to do as the executive director of the Children's Room is, is to build awareness, to make sure that people know that their resources and services exist, right? Um, and we're working with um, children and families from over 60 different cities across Massachusetts. Um, so we really want to make sure that people know that what, you know, what we do is it's called peer support programs or peer support um, groups. Um, it's it's a evidence-informed way to deal with grief, right? You're placed into groups with others of similar ages that have experienced a similar um, death, um, and you're able to talk about it together. You have that sense of connection. You have that sense of community. So I think once we've built awareness, Mark, I think you know, families are really needing to approach the children's room when they're ready, right? I mean, it, we really want to make sure that people know we're here. We want to make sure they know we're here when when they are ready. Um, and then they can reach out to us. Um, so people find out about us many different ways. People find out about us through the, their school, right? So school counselors are a great referral source. They find out through their doctor. So about a quarter of all our referrals are coming through um, hospitals or clinicians or pediatricians. Um, and they're also coming a lot through just friends and family. Um, so friends and family have had similar experience or they, they know about it, what's happened in the community. But those are the three main ways we're getting referrals. So once they find out about us, um, they can reach out to us for more information. They can reach out really confidentially um, to, to the organization. And once they reach out, they are greeted with that safe, welcoming, supportive environment that we try to instill in every component of uh, their process and their experience at the children's room. Um, we have an intake process. People give some basic information about what 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 happened, right? What what is their experience? Who in their family died? What did they die of? Um, and once we hear that, we actually schedule some additional time with that individual or that family to talk about, you know, what, what are the programs that the children's room offers and what they can expect in that program. And so by taking that approach of, of making sure people are aware of the children's room and then making sure that people know once they do reach out, it's a safe and safe and, you know, inclusive space and amazing environment. And then we carefully, you know, share what, what they can expect. Um, you know, they're welcome into the program and there's many different programs that they can join based on their readiness or based on what they're looking for. 
Um, but that's one of the great things about the children's room too, is there's many different ways you can serve a child or a teenager in the family once they do come here. Share some experiences of, of that. Like what, what could, uh, eight-year-old experience versus a 16-year-old? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, we've we've learned a lot as an organization about what our, you know, participants, what our youth and what our children and what our teens need in terms of grief support programs. Um, so right now, we're, we're actually offering a, a service model that is blended. So we offer some programs that are in person. Um, so we have a, a facility or a house. It's a beautiful yellow house with a blue door. Um, outside of Boston, um, in Arlington, Massachusetts. And that's where we offer our in-person programs. But then we also offer a, a great deal of programs virtually via Zoom. And that's something that is we thought about coming out of the pandemic as a way to increase access and um, how to get more people the resources and supports and programs they might need. It's been great. Um, families can join what is one of our core components. It's what the Children's Room started upon over 25 years ago. Those are the family-based peer support groups. So you sign up as a, as a family unit um, and then you come to the children's room for services. The children go into their own peer support groups. The adults go into their peer support groups um, and you can stay in the peer support group for as long as you need. Some families stay on average between two and three years um, in the program um, for their grieving process. But like I say, we've, we've really you know, evolved as an organization um, we acknowledge that um, sometimes families want to come as a, a very, you know, a, the whole family, right? So that ex includes extended family or family friends. And so we started offering what's called family night. Um, family night is, you know, using art to, you know, memorialize and to remember the person that was died, that died in their lives. Um, and so that is something we actually do via Zoom now. And it, it's allowing us to reach more people and to reach uh, more communities in a new way. Isn't it amazing how COVID has some of the positives, we call them COVID positives that came out of that. Like you can have your message reach so much further now than you could have before, or so you thought, right? Totally. Yeah. So I think, you know, we want to go to where children need services, right? right. So we want to make ourselves accessible. So yes, children can come to the children's room in person. Um, but we can also create virtual programs that children can participate in too. And so we're going to reach kids virtually. The other way that we reach children are, is through school and community programs. So if kids can't come to us, um, and oftentimes programs on Zoom aren't great for some kids. Like I can speak to my own kids who didn't, who, um, you know, didn't really love the online school, right? The yeah. other way we reach kids is actually going out into schools and going out into communities and running programs there. Um, so in addition to running peer support groups at the house, um, we also run peer support groups at schools. Um, we've worked with hundreds of schools in the past 10 years, um, running child bereavement peer support groups at schools themselves. And that's when, that's when school counselors and school social workers and school psychologists contact the children's room and say, we have a lot of kids that have experienced the death of a parent caregiver. Um, and we work with that school to kind of develop a group at that school to run programs. So our whole model allows us to reach kids where they're at um, because, you know, peer support programs are so beneficial for children that are experiencing the death of a, a parent caregiver or sibling. And, um, you know, these different ways that we've learned to reach kids, both because of the pandemic, both because of our work in the communities, 
both as well as our work here at the, the house in Arlington, um, have allowed us to really work with a lot of kids over the years. So I love the partnerships with the schools, right? I mean, where they're at, right? So are you all able to train through curriculum or anything like that, that allows you to kind of know that they're all going to be good? Yeah. Yeah. So go back to my, my own personal experience, right? So I remember, you know, going to school and having to jump right back into school pretty fast, right? Back into class and learning back into activities and sports. Um, you know, it makes us as an organization think about what what is going to help kids that are dealing with this this trauma of the death of a parent or sibling or caregiver. Um, so yes, we offer the direct service support. So we will we'll run peer support groups for kids um, in schools. We also know that there's a lot of work to be done around giving educators or and and schools um, either presentations or resources and tools on how to how to work with the kids in their class that have experienced this type of, of death of, of a parent or caregiver. Um, I think to my own, my own kid's school right now, um, you know, they had a peer in their class whose mother died last year. And I think two things pop up to my mind. Number one, my daughter doesn't know what to say or do, right? And so how do we make sure that the other kids in the classroom are getting the tools they know in order to support their peer, right? even if they haven't experienced it themselves. So um, where's that ba- where's that balance where it's not uh like like overbearing on the child but but showing care from the kids like where is that balance taught? Yeah, I mean I think it starts with empathy and and showing that you care. It starts with kindness and so I think a big part of what the children's room tries to do in addition to running the direct service programs for the kids that have been impacted but also running some of these more training and presentation resources is giving tools to educators on what they can tell their class and what they can tell their fellow peers. Um, and it really does come down to those, that, that compassion, that kindness, that empathy. Um, you know, when, when a kid's walking quietly on the, on the sideline at recess, like how do you, you know, show kindness to that person and invite them into the, into the game, right? Because that might be what that kid needs on that day. Um, so, you know, to ask your question around like what type of resources exist for educators, um, we do see it as part of our responsibility, part of our efforts as an organization is to, to support schools with, you know, consultation, training, presentation to make sure they know how to support every student in their school, um, in addition to the kids that have been impacted by the death. Um, and so that's a big part of our program too. So, you know, in addition to running the bereavement groups, we do hundreds of presentations over the past 10 years. We do crisis response. So if um, something happens in a school, we're able to be called up and, and provide guidance on how they might deal with it. And we do a lot of consultation. So if a school community or a community um, knows that there might be a death, you know, on, on the horizon, unfortunately, due to illness, um, we can consult with that school about what they can say and, and how do you say it too. So we provide a lot of resources to make sure that everyone in the community has what they need to support the grief um, that that child might be experiencing. Where do you get the resources? Where does the funding come from? Yeah, so the Children's Room is a, a $1.5 million nonprofit. Like I say, the largest nonprofit job bereavement center in Massachusetts. Um, I think one thing I, I need to say is that we provide all of our programs and services for free. Um, 
the last thing you want a, a child or family to be thinking about is how they might pay for something when they're going through um, this type of stress um, that's that comes with the death of a, a, a um, person in their lives. And so, and oftentimes, you know, people experiencing the death of, uh, of their spouse or their partner, they're often going from a two, you know, two income household to a one income household or from a one income household down to a zero one income household, right? And so for us, we are 100% philanthropy driven. So it's 100% private donations in support of this, this work. It comes from individuals, it comes from foundation grants, it comes from companies that are sponsoring our organization. Um, it costs about $5,000 for a family to participate in programming at the children's room every year. Um, and like I say, we're serving over hundred families every year. Um, and so we're really trying to make sure that none of those families experiences um, the burden of, of what it means to deal with the financial cost of, of, of losing um, or the death of a, a person that they love or a person in their lives and, and make sure that they have the resources and supports they need. So, I typically ask the business owner to to write a review for themselves right here. So I say, you know, someone experienced your business and had a wonderful experience. What does that that sound like? But what I'm going to ask you instead is somebody donates to your foundation. What's that feel like? Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned, um, you know, our work is only possible through the generosity of donors that that care about the children that we serve. Um, the children that we serve here at our center in Arlington, the children that we serve virtually, the children that we serve in the community. Um, I mean, when you donate to the children's room, you're providing hope um, for the children. Um, you know, when those kids walk in the front door, so it's a it's a beautiful yellow Victorian house, blue door. When they walk in, you're met with the warmth of both the space, but also the community in which you're surrounded by. Um, in a you know given program night, you'll find anywhere between 20 and 30 families um, that have had a similar experience, right? And so when you donate, you're giving those 20 to 30 families the opportunity to be together, um, share their experiences with one another, feel that connection, feel that kindness, um, and get the supports they need, right? And so oftentimes when you come to the children's room, um, when you ju jump into a virtual Zoom or you go to one of our programs in schools, you know, you'll actually hear a lot of laughter. You'll hear a lot of joy. Um, you'll also see sadness, you'll see tears, but at the same time, you know, kids are grieving through play. Kids are grieving through art. Kids are grieving through community and connection. And oftentimes, um, that's what makes this place such a special spot for children is they're getting the supports they need. Well, I want to really thank Emmanuel Ebot um, for introducing me to you because I didn't know the children's room existed. That's a near and dear mission to my heart. I, I think I shared with you when we pre-called and talked about the podcast before that I lost my father at 20. Grief is tough. You know, I'm blessed that I got 20 as a child. Whew. I don't know. I don't know. But super, super grateful for you coming on and sharing. And I hope um, some folks who are here in this uh, hits them in the heart and um, and they decide they want to share this with somebody and they send it to them. But I'm not going to let you off the hook on one other thing. You know, one of the things we talk about, and I mentioned this on the pre-call, 
we do a 15 minute pre-call folks to kind of lay out the the topic and um not a lot of people will agree to be on a podcast i've asked a lot of people to be on a podcast and they don't want to put themselves out there so i applaud you for doing that but i also think a karaoke fundraiser would be a great idea yeah so let's talk about john gay you're next on the microphone what are you singing okay um well first of all you know mark thanks for sharing your story and sorry for the loss that you had too um thanks for having me on here too i think just like i say like the biggest thing that i'm excited to do on every every day is to make sure that people are aware of the children's room um and they're aware of that child bereavement services exist right because you know you don't know when you might need them you don't know when a friend might need them you don't know when a family might need them but if something does happen, we want to make sure people know that there's a children's room that they can go to. Um, yeah, your icebreaker question is a good one. My my go-to song for karaoke, I'm not much of a singer. Like I said, I was a soccer player, so I, I, I stuck to the field personally. Um, but I love the song First Day of My Life by Bright Eyes. And I think that song embodies some of the hope and uh, enjoy that uh, I think we try to embody here at the children's room. So thanks for asking. I love it. I love it. By the way, good singing ruins good karaoke. Remember that. <laughs> okay. Got it. Uh, the most important question of them all, John, somebody either is touched by loss or touched charitably. How would they get in touch with you at the children's room? Yeah, Mark, you know, people should reach out for either of those reasons. Um, and so my email, it's super simple. It's john at childrensroom.org. So it's j-o-n at childrensroom.org. Or just go to our website. It's www.childrensroom.org. And you can learn more about the children's room, the work we do in the community, the work we do with children, um, and how you might want to get involved yourself. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Folks, this has been another really interesting episode of Elements of Styles. If you found this interesting or you think of somebody will think this is interesting, share it with them. Share it with everyone. It was a beautiful conversation. Thank you again, John. Thank you, Mark. Be well, folks. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.